Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name. Thank you for your grace and your love towards us and in us, your love that's working through us, God. Help us to be a body, your church, to be your hands and feet in this community, in our communities, Lord, that they would know us by our love. They would know us by the love, your love that's flowing through us, God. Your love that's flowing through us, Lord. Teach us to love the way that you do. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. Good morning, Gospel Fellowship. That was an awesome worship experience. Um, praise God. Uh, today, Pastor Rodney couldn't be with us today. He's at Spanish River. Spanish River is the church, some of you may know, was the one that helped us to church plant here in Boynton Beach. And because of their support, we were able to establish ourselves and become self-sufficient. Self so he's there preaching two sermons this morning. So while you're praying for our guest speaker, pray for him as well. But today we have a special guest pre preacher who's here with us this morning. His name is Pastor Ronnie. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Ronnie is a native of West Palm Beach, Florida. He's a graduate of Palm Beach Atlantic University with a BA in Biblical Studies in Knox Theological Seminary in Fort Lauderdale. Ronnie's ministry experience includes serving as New Hope Missionary Baptist Church in Lake Worth and at New Missionary Baptist Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. After seminary, he served on the staff of New Fellowship Church in Tennessee as, as a pastoral intern and later was ordained into gospel ministry. And then this year, actually in January, he actually started his new church plan. Amen. Give, him praise, give God praise for that. The church is called new song church he is the founder and lead pastor at this moment helping me to introduce pastor ronnie amen good morning good morning gospel fellowship can y'all hear me uh it's an honor to be here today um i want to first honor pastor rodney he's been such a great brother and you guys been a model for what we're doing in west palm um as a diverse multi-ethnic uh, church in South Florida. I want to thank Saint Elder Sam, Elder Mark, Elder Self, everyone in their respective places. It's an honor and privilege to be here with you today. Amen? Amen. And I won't keep you all long. Um, I'm going to uh, preach. Pastor Rodney told me y'all been going through a series with This Is Us. Is that correct? And y'all been talking about different things. And today we want to talk about singleness. And I just want to speak from the simple topic of just redeeming singleness. And I say that because I'm a, I'm a unicorn in two cents. One, I'm a unicorn in that I'm a black guy ordained in the PCA. I think there are about 6,000 pastors in the PCA, and only about 50 of them are, are black. Um, and then also, I'm a, I'm a single lead pastor. And so um, Pastor Rodney thought it'd be good to hear perspective on that. I don't think I have the permanent gift of singleness. We will talk, we'll talk about that later, but, but I think this would be a good thing to talk about. So our topic is singleness that pleases the Lord. Singleness that pleases the Lord. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read our text, a part of our text, and then pray, and we'll get in our time of, of preaching. Uh, um, our text is going to be from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, I'm going to read verses 6 through 9, and then jump down to 25 through 40. 
uh, hear the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the ESV. Actually, I'm going to read the first two vo- ver- uh, verses as well, but I want to encourage y'all to, during the week, read this whole chapter. Um, it'll speak to you about marital and singleness, um, whatever stage of life you may be in. But 1 Corinthians 7, beginning at verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the ESV. Now, concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of temptation and sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Verse 6, now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as myself. He means I wish all that was single. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it's good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion or with lust. Verse 25. That's what happens when you get a new Bible. Verse 25, and I'm still not on the page. There you go. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no commandment from the Lord, but I give you my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if you, a betrothed woman, marry, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I will spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For this present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay restraint upon you, but to promote good order and secure undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed or uh, the one he's engaged to, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this, in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well. He who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry whom she wishes, only in the Lord, meaning only another Christian. Yet in my judgment, it is happier she remains as he is, and I think I too have the Spirit of God. What did Pastor Rodney get me into, right? Singleness that pleases the Lord. Will you pray for me? Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your kindness. We, 
we thank you that you are God who speaks to us and you speak words of love. You speak words of care. So now we ask, Father, that you would calm our hearts, still us, give us ears to hear, give us hearts to receive and understand the word and speak to us now. For we, your servants, listen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Singleness that pleases the Lord. This is a hard text, I know. And um, uh, as a single, I always want to try to get the female perspective. And because I, I, I can't um, uh, have a wife always to talk to, a lot of times I'll get it from my mom or my sister. And so I'm hanging out with my mom and sister during the week, just trying to get their thoughts on marriage and, and I'm hoping they don't shame, shame the men too bad, as they can do at times. And, and, and I end up watching TV with them, a show I would probably not watch on my own, but a show my mom and sister was into. My sister, my brother is 13 years older than me. My sister is 11 years older than me, so I'm the baby by far. And they were watching on Oprah Winfrey Network, Fix My Life, Ayanla. Is that? I hope I said it right. Fix My Life, Ayanla. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Right? And, and, and she's this kind of counselor, therapist, and she has people come in. And I'm like, oh, this is just chick, chick television show to the, to the max. But, but on this particular episode, retired NBA player Jackson, Jason Maxill, he used to play for the Detroit Pistons back in the day. He, he's there with his wife, and, and they're dealing with the fact that, that, that his, his lifestyle has been very immoral sexually forever. He claims to have slept with over 300 women. And in his marriage, he's cheated on his wife at least 50 times, he confesses. And she has to hear that news, you know, and, and I'm sure there has to be security in the background because, you, you, know, you, you know how that goes. But, 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 but here is the thing. When you go deeper to it, when Ayala's asking him why, why, why would you do this to your wife? Why would you do this to your son? They, had a son, they have a son together. It goes back to deep wounds in his life and heart that go back to before he ever met his wife. And why his wife put up with it? Because it goes back to deep wounds in her heart that goes back to before ever she met her husband. And he said, I do it because um, I don't know why I do it. It's not even the, the act in itself. It's just for two hours or an hour I get to escape from everything and get caught up in the passion of, 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 of that adultery. And when we talk about singleness that pleases the Lord, until we're able to allow the Lord to speak to our emotions, to speak to our inward man, to speak to our hurts and longings, we will not allow the Lord to be able to speak to our, how we control our bodies, to how we control our sexual passions. And Paul is dealing with this here in Corinth. Corinth is a very immoral place. Corinth was one of the top five biggest cities in the Roman Empire. And, and Corinth was like Las Vegas today. What do we call Las Vegas? Sin City. And Corinth was the sin city of the Roman Empire. They had a, they had a temple to a Greek goddess that was the goddess of fertility. And they had a sex cult. That temple had over a thousand male and female prostitutes. It was very immoral. And so you have a context in the city of Corinth where you have Greeks who live very immoral lives and, and, and sex was part of their worship. 
and you have Romans who are very duty-bound, who conquered the Greeks, and they're trying to establish Roman interests in Corinth. And then you have Jewish people who fled the persecution in Jerusalem who have a more biblical worldview of sexuality. And when they all came together in one church, that diversity, that different view of sex, it was crazy. And so what you have here to understand what Paul's saying is you have a division. You have Greeks who believe that you can do whatever you want sexually because sex is only with the body, with the physical, and it's just physical. Your soul is okay, so enjoy yourself physically because all that matters is the soul. And then you had Romans who were duty-bound, and, and Romans, they wanted to get married. They wanted to, to, to have kids, to propagate the empire, but, but in Rome, it was acceptable that though you married your wife and your wife bore you legit children, you also had your side pieces on the side as a man. It was acceptable for a man to have a mistress. Because the main thing about Rome was status and money, and so you got married for status and money and for someone to take care of your domestic affairs, but you did whatever you wanted sexually. Are y'all following me so far? And then you had the Jewish view, which believed that you marry and you, you stay within the confines of marriage. And so as we look in this situation here, how are we in our singleness going to deal with those desires, those insecurities? How are we as a church family going to love and support our singles so that they're best equipped to please God in their singleness? And I just want to show you three things from the text um, that will help us do that. And I'm going to sit down. One, we're going to see God's good gift of marriage and singleness in verses six, 1 through 2 and 6 through 9. Two, we're going to see that marriage is temporary, verses 29 through 31. And then we're going to see we are free in Christ, verses 32 through 40. One, God's good gift of ma gifts of marriage and singleness. Two, marriage is temporary. Three, we are free in Christ. One, God's good gifts of marriage and singleness. Now, now Paul's writing these. The elders at Corinth wrote him a question. How do we deal with this? Some people are saying you should just not have sex all together. Even if you're married, sleep in your own bedrooms. Y'all don't have sex after marriage. Some are saying you can do whatever you want to do. And some are saying, no, it's okay to get married, but, 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 but you must satisfy your sexual desires in the context of that marriage. I should give a disclaimer if you don't want to. I'm not going to be grotesque, but if you, that word is bad for your kids, we should have moved them out. Excuse me. But, um, <laughs> you know, if, we, if I could rewind, I would have did it. But anyway, you, you had all these different views. And, and, and Paul is like, he, he has to be wise because what he wants them to do, he wants them to live in self-control. He also sees there's no problem in marriage, but if they can stay without being married and serve the Lord, that's fine too. So he's, that's why the answer is so nuanced here. Um, just to help you out. But we see one, he says, that God has given us a desire. That desire for companionship, that desire for intimacy, even physical intimacy, is, was put into us by God, and it was originally with good in, intentions, right? God ordained marriage before the fall, right? Adam and Eve were married before the fall, they, and they were commanded to, to marry and be fruitful and, in, and multiply before the fall, right? Y'all follow me so far? And, and, and it was pointing to God's good intention. Marriage, marriage was meant to point to something bigger than us. 
Part of that was procreation, but part of that was this unity, this completeness, that, that this wholeness that man needed that, 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 that ultimately points to man's relationship to God. Human, man and woman, male and female's relationship to God, but it's symbolized physically in man and woman uniting to love and serve one another, to accomplish God's mission together and be fruitful and multiply. In fact, the woman was taken from man, right? So, so man was even physically uh, uh, incomplete. God put a deep sleep, emblematic of death, on Adam and took a rib and he formed Eve. Y'all follow me so far? And we all know that's true even if we weren't there because we all know this longing for intimacy, this longing for relationship, this longing for someone to accept me and validate me and commit to me that in spite of the good, bad, and ugly, this person's going to ride or die with me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Loyalty. I mean, at a very young age, we want attention of the opposite sex, and, and it shapes our identity. It shapes a lot of us at a very young age. And marriage is good. It's a gift from God. Physical gratification within the context of marriage is good and a gift from God. But here's the reality. It can become a burden because we can be so consumed with finding that need met in a man or woman that we neglect to see that the ultimate satisfaction of that need, it ultimately points to our need to be in union, to submit to, to be unified with the heart of God. The heart of God. If you neglect this gap that came between us and God at the fall, if we neglect the fact that only God can truly get satisfied at that need for affirmation, that need for identity, you'll have expectations of, from a man or woman that only God can give. And I don't care how good that man or woman may be. I don't care how fine they are. I don't care how rich they are. They cannot satisfied was meant only to be satisfied in God. Are you feeling me? And that's destroying marriages. That's causing uh, single people not to honor God in their singleness. It's a, really th it's a real thing. And God is aware of that need, and so he has given us the means to satisfy that need, both in marriage and in singleness until we marry. And it first starts in the gospel. It first starts in Receiving Jesus by faith and committing, realizing your body does not belong to you, your life does not belong to you, but to God. And so now I'm going to seek to please him with this body, with this life, in marriage and in singleness. Amen? And it's so radical of what the gospel does to that and that Paul can say that singleness is good because I want you to know in the Bible for a lot of times, singleness was frowned upon until Jesus. Think, what's the essential blessing and commandment of God? Be fruitful and multiply, right? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your seed. I'm going to bless your, your lineage. I'm going to bless your children and children's children. Are you following me? And how many times we see in the Bible where the barren woman is unable to give birth and God, and she cries out to God, and God miraculously caused that which is barren to give birth. The covenantal blessings could not, in the Old Testament, could not even fully be lived out outside of the context of marriage and procreation, right? But now, in the New Testament, fast forward, in Christ, you can receive and walk in all the blessing of God in marriage or in singleness. 
Because he says, this new commandment I give to you, love one another. He says, abide in me. Now you are unified to me. And whether you have physical seed or not, you can be fruitful and multiply as you disciple people, as you love on people, as you share the gospel, as you welcome people into your home. Are you, are you with me? The blessing now is not limited to physical procreation or to, to bank accounts, but the blessing is received in Christ. And we are complete in him. We have everything we need for life and godliness in him, Peter says. Look at yourself as complete. Singleness is a gift. I told you I'm single. And I know the struggle. Sometimes you feel lonely. I know the struggle. Sometimes you wish you had someone to cuddle with. Sometimes it's, 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 it's Florida. It rains like every day in the summer at some point. <laughs> Sometimes you wish you could Netflix and chill legally. <laughs> right? I want to make sure y'all wake up. Y'all were woke. But yet, that in this temporary moment of singleness, unless God called you to permanent singleness, he can satisfy those desires in the gospel until that person comes. But here we have to realize that ultimate happiness and satisfaction doesn't come from the external. It comes from him. And here's what Paul says. You have to make it your aim to please God. The essence of true joy is to say, I'm committing my life, my sexuality to please God. And when you're committed to please God, he will communicate that he takes pleasure in you, even your sexuality, even your marriage, even your singleness. And when pleasing God becomes more important than getting married, when pleasing God becomes more important than making your husband or wife do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, and say you're always right, that's when you know true joy. Because when you please God, he'll communicate that he takes pleasure in you. Happiness is not in the circumstances. It's in obedience to God. Is my life, is my concept of marriage, whether I'm single now, I'm already married. Did you get married for you because you want someone to do for you? Or did you get married because I want to please God? And when I, because I want to please God, when I look at my husband or wife, my motive wasn't, oh, look how fine she is. What, all my boys, when they see what I pulled, man, they're going to know I'm the man. <laughs> oh, look at his pocket. Most of us marry, most of us want marriage to cover up our insecurities. To cover up that sin and brokenness we experience. And, we, and so we don't want to do the hard work of allowing God to speak to that insecurity, that sin, those old wounds and brokenness. And so we think, well, I'll just get married and it'll cover it up. And those type of people tend to go through real rough periods when they first get married because their whole concept of marriage was about them and not about the one they could love and serve in marriage. You follow me? That convicted me. As a single pastor, I had this thing. I needed this ideal first lady to help me do my ministry. And I wanted her to be this and that. You know, preferably could sing, right? But not ratchet like Whitney. I know the Bobby Brown just came back. I want her to sing like Whitney, but not be ratchet like Whitney. Right now, I'm, I'm waking y'all up. <laughs> and I realized, man, this is unhealthy. The Lord had to convict me. My whole view of marriage is about this woman God created for me to do everything I want, to handle every insecurity I have, to meet all my needs. And if I marry her with that expectations, what am I going to do to her? And a lot of us are like that. So the first thing to redeem singleness, we need to work on ourselves. Look at yourself. 
Stop creating those lists. Stop finding something wrong in everybody else and begin to look at yourself. Can I tell you what? How the spirit flows in the natural man, we can see everybody else sin a lot better than others. We get anointed in pointing out other people's sin. But the anointing leaves when it's time to look at our sin. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Redeem your sin. I know how it hurt. And I had to pause myself. And I had to literally, I had to say for six months, I'm going to close the door to Dayton and deal with my heart. Because as a church planner, there was churches who would give me more money. There was things I, I would get more funding. I would get more acceptance if I got married. And I said, look, marriage is not for me. And not for my platform to be enlarged. Lord, give me a heart to want to serve some woman when you bring her in my life. So much so that if I had to, I would sacrifice even my ministry to see her thrive into the woman God called her to be. That I would serve her. That's what kind of heart I had to cultivate. That's what kind of heart we need to cultivate, whether we're married or single, whether it's our wife or our neighbor. God gives us a good gift in marriage. Look at verse 6. It says, we don't think about this and singleness, but 7-6, it says, now it's a concession, not a command. I say this, I wish that all were as myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one kind or another. That even if you're single right now, it's a gift from God in that moment. You hear me? That in this time, God has you single for a reason. It's to devote your time to be a better, look and say, how can I be a better husband or wife for that man or woman the Lord will bring in my path? Look at it and say, now, how, how can I begin to pay off some of my debt so I won't get that surprise? We come back from the honeymoon and my husband didn't realize or my wife realized we're going to be $500 a month of our income for the next 20 years, going to be paying off my debt. Y'all ever been there? Student loans, right? Sally Mae. Sally Mae taking all our money in our marriages. How can I be a better person? How can I serve God fully in this time? How, what couples can I be around to see marriage modeled out in selfless service? Redeem the time. It's a gift from God. I know it doesn't feel like it, but if you spend your whole time dreaming about the ideal mate, if you spend your whole time pouting and thinking about what you don't have, one, is going to lead you to sin. And two, you won't grow in your singleness. Grow. The Lord had to teach me that. It's an opportunity to grow. I literally, probably to start my, the church, I, if I was single from the beginning, I wouldn't have been able to plant because the money was low at the beginning. And I said, well, God, maybe you did it. And one of my greatest insecurities about ministry is being single, but I trust God. One of my greatest insecurities in life was, God, can I keep myself in control and wait to marriage to glorify you? Because I went into ministry at 14. And on either side of my family, mom or dad side, I don't know one man 40 or older that was faithful to their wife. And growing up in my church, I didn't know one man that was truly faithful in my church to their wife, including officers. So I thought it was impossible. Any of y'all can identify what I'm talking about? And I asked God as a 14-year-old, I said, God, if you're real, God, if you want me to go into ministry, keep me until I get married. 
And I used to be ashamed of my testimony because I didn't have this testimony. You know, some people be like, yeah, man, I was, I was, I was using drugs. I was in a gunfight. But I tell you, and I'm like, man, I ain't doing it. I, went to, I, 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 went, I, I grew up with guys who did that, but, I, man, I was in ministry at 14. Wasn't no drug deal in a gang life for me. My testimony, now, you know, I'm contemplating lying and sprouting up my testimony so I could seem like, you know, when you had, y'all know about them testimony services if you grew up Pentecostal. <laughs> like, I got I to add some hot sauce on my testimony. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, but what I can say is now I'm 33 and God kept me. I thought it was impossible, but he kept me. But, I, but it didn't just happen because it was his grace and mercy, but too because it had to be replaced with a sincere desire to please him. To the point where I almost slipped multiple times and got sick to my stomach, condemnation came on me so heavy. Make it your aim to please God. Redeem your singing. Redeem your marriage so you could be that husband or wife that brings deep healing into that spouse you do marry because you've dealt with your baggage to a certain degree. We never deal with it all. You realize it's not all about you, but about God and about that person. And someone will say, praise and bless God. Say, God, thank you for giving me him or her for a husband and wife. And not say, like all y'all married people do to me, scare me and be like, well, when you get married, be careful. And it ain't all what you think it is. You know, <laughs> y'all know how some of the married people be. But anyway, our second point, though, marriage is temporary and difficult. So you can jump down to verse 29 with me, or 25, excuse me. Um, it, 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 Paul says, now concerning the betrothal, well, let's go to 29 for the sake of time, I'm sorry. This is what I mean, brothers, the appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Marriage is temporary and it's difficult. I talked about one of the challenges in Corinth is that, and we know this in our society, everybody has a sexual desire, has a sexual drive, right? And everybody mostly has a drive and desire to do well financially and want nice things, right? And they could come into conflict. So what happened with them, they're like, man, we have sexual desires, but we also want to be successful. And so especially for men, this happens to us a lot, and I was one of these men to the Lord uh, convicted me of that too. Man, I would get married, but I want money. But most of us want to delay on marriage because we don't want to grow up or be responsible yet or because we want to get to a certain financial status yet. But we don't want to not have sex. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A lot of us fall in that boat. We want to delay marriage, but we don't want to delay tasting of the fruit. You need a proper perspective of this world. That's the only thing, and of sexuality, that's the only thing that's going to keep you from not living immorally sexually. One, Paul says you got to understand the time. You see that? Those who are married ought to live as though they are not married. He's he not saying abandon all 
our, our responsibility. So don't say, oh, it said live as though I'm not married. I'm going to stop paying the bills, honey, because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, you know, no, it's not saying that. But you need to realize the urgency. You really need the, val- uh, uh, the value of what's really most important and what's eternal. And marriage is not eternal. Even in glory, we will not be married. Remember when they tried to trip Jesus up and say, this lady uh, married, essentially, I'm going to paraphrase, seven different brothers. Who, who, whose wife is she going to be in glory? And he said, that we, we're not going to marry in, 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 in heaven. We're not going to marry or be in marriage. But marriage, remember I said it pointed to something greater. It pointed to our perfect union with Christ. And so we're going to be so in unity with Christ, so full of him, that human marriage, what it pointed to, will be realized so we will no longer need to be married in our humanity and glory. What's important? A lot of us have sacrificed earthly peace over sexual gratification. Baggage you carried in your relationship. Even into your sex as a couple. I don't know why I'm single, but for some reason I've had to counsel married couples that I tried to push them away. And I have friends who literally, because of their past or because of the past of their wives, married couples that went a year without having sex because the brokenness was that deep. And they fell before they got married. And so you know what my friend wife believed? You only married me because we were having sex. And once they had the first baby, I mean literally, and it's not here, so that's what I'm talking about, I won't name this man come crying to me. I haven't had sex with my wife in a year. Pastor, I'm deep in porn. I'm, I'm in immorality in ways I thought I would never be. What do I do? Wife of a marriage and family therapist. And, and, and here is what happened. I, I'm all off my manuscript. But there's these burdens and troubles we carry in marriage. Marriage is temporary, so don't put expectations on marriage that only can be met in God. Marriage is not going to heal the wounds of abuse. Marriage is not going to make your insecurities go away. Only Jesus can do it. You got to take that stuff to Jesus. There's some wounds that your husband or wife, and they may be a good and godly man or woman of God, they can't heal that. It's not because they don't want to. I'm sure with a lot of your stuff, if they could, they would. They can't. Only Jesus can do it. Only Jesus can do it. Marriage is not what completes you. Jesus is. Do you hear me? Your husband and your wife can't be Jesus for you. Your children can't be Jesus for you. So stop trying to live your life through your children. I know you wanted to get that D1 scholarship and you didn't get it. And though you five foot five, a buck thirty, if the coach didn't play favorites, you would have been D1. You would have been playing for, man, all the Florida schools doing bad. You would have been playing for Alabama. <laughs> you would have been playing for Alabama yesterday. But don't put that on your son and make your son think he got to make the league. That boy, buck forty, and we in South Florida, he ain't going to the league. He don't got to go D1. Let that boy learn how to play an instrument. <laughs> Let him be in the band. <laughs> I went to FAMU. They stopped hazing in the March of 100. 
at FAMU, they more important than the football team anyway. But anyway, let me stop. <laughs> I'm all off. But, 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 but there ought to be an urgency to redeem the time so that even if you're married, you have to bring marriage and mission together. Even if you're single, you gotta be, you gotta use your singleness with intentionality. Because what happens is a lot of us live our singleness, it's all about us. It's all about us. No discipline, reckless, no mission, no sacrifice. And then we get married and we wonder why we can't get along. You had two people who lived selfishly for 25 years with no conviction, with no thought for anyone else, and you think y'all gonna get married and just run smoothly. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Marriage is temporary and it's difficult. So that whether you're married or single, however you categorize it, make it your aim to please God. It's lost in Christianity. And there, look, I talked about therapy. It's important. It's important. But more than God fixing you or giving you the life you live, salvation says, I aim to please him. Not he's here to please me. There's no desire to want to please God. There's no conviction. It's funny how people argue with me over stuff I'd never talk to them about. That's, you know, as a pastor, as an elder, I know somebody. You know how I can know when people are living in sin? I never talked to them about sex before, and they start arguing with me. about. And I'm like, bro, what you talking about? Okay, so who is she? I know you're falling because we never had this conversation. You're arguing with me about what the Bible says about sex. Make it your aim to please God because the ultimate purpose, your ultimate satisfaction, your ultimate acceptance, your ultimate approval is secure on the blood of the cross if you believe in Jesus by faith. You hear me? Your ultimate covering, the ultimate covering of that shame. Remember Adam and Eve tried to hide from God and cover themselves? The ultimate covering of that shame, the ultimate removing of the stains of life that wounded you. They were nailed to the cross. And what's secure for you in eternity is a marriage, is a healing, is a covering in the one who creates and sustains the universe that says, nothing can separate you from my love. Oh, yes, I know you lived a sexual, immoral life even after you came to faith for a while. But if you believe in Jesus that put on the cross and your eternal acceptance in marriage is secure, you got to live from the future back in the time. And taste and see that you're accepted, that you're beloved, you're validated, you're covered and protected in Jesus. What did Jesus say on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Y'all remember that? Why? Because all of the sins of us who believe, past, present, future, was put on Jesus on that cross. All the sin. And when those sins were put on Jesus... God looked at Jesus and saw that all that sin that we should be carrying. And for a moment, Jesus felt the weight of the wrath of God. God's anger over sin. And it broke the union, if you will, between the father and son. You following me? And Jesus felt forsaken for a moment. But we know on the third day he got up. Why? Because he was fully God, fully man, and he never sinned. Because Jesus could say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You may have been single for a while. I, I'm telling you, there was no dream I had where I'd still be single at 33. 
so I can relate. Thought for sure I'd be married with one or two kids by now. But because Jesus was forsaken, regardless of what's going on in your life, you're never forsaken. He knew what it was like to be abandoned, to be forsaken, so that you never have to eternally and truly spiritually know what it's like to be forsaken. And if you're single now and you don't know why, notice that there's grace and sufficiency in the cross to satisfy that ache of heart until God gives you that husband or wife. Because it was secured on the cross. And so as we end, we are free. You're free. You're accepted. You're beloved. You're secure. And because you are free, and this is where we get practical, you don't have to run at the first guy, single guy that come to church, the first single girl that come to church. Thirst is not attractive. For guys, it ain't. Spiritual thirst is, but not. But you also don't think it's going to be this ideal figment of your imagination, man or woman, that's just going to show up. You know, my, my nephew spent the night with me in the new 2K out, and so he's happy. And 2K is a basketball game. And see, the problem is, you know, in the video game, we could create an ideal version. My nephew's probably about, you know, 5'11", about 210 pounds. But on 2K, he, he's about 6'8". You know, he's bigger than LeBron, better than LeBron on 2K. Don't, don't create that 2K husband or wife. But also, as a church, couples, we have to welcome the singles in for our lives and family. They got to see it modeled. Especially as people of color, it breaks my heart, I know. A lot of us, we don't see that modeled. In our context, y'all know what I'm talking about. We don't see that model at the dinner table of discipleship. See us going through the scriptures as families. We have to invite them in and, and, and model that up because if they, feel lang- if they feel lonely, look, one of the worst things you could do, church, is singles ministry. I learned that the hard way. You start a singles ministry, and in most cases, unless God just really doing revival in your church, it's going to lead to a lot of people in, that fall into sin when you always segregate the singles. You feeling me? You got to invite them in. You know what? Until they get married, and even after they get married, we are family. And so those relationships, that relational uh, energy that will go to marriage, it has to be compensated in the body of Christ. You understand? Jesus was single, but he always had people with him, and he had deep, emotional, intense relationships. Same for Paul, and Paul had women traveling with him. I'm not saying we don't have certain boundaries and and wisdom, but we have to establish those relationships. Just Sunday to Sunday, for the single in this society, that person probably walking in sin. If the only time they get Christian communion is on Sundays. Right? But you're free. Notice, ultimately because you're free, look at, when you think about marriage, look not at someone who's going to complete you. Look at someone you can be God's instrument to love and serve to their fullest potential in Christ. And if you're married, take those singles and love them into being good husbands, being good wives, being good fathers and mothers. Amen? Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you. Because you are, Father, not only are you a father to the fatherless, Father, to those who are lonely, you are a comforter. Father, you are 
the true groomsman, Lord Jesus, of the body of Christ. Father, help us as a single person. I pray for my single brothers and sisters. Help us to find our ultimate satisfaction in you and make it our desire to please you. And Father, help us to live in self-control. I pray for every single here that you would keep us until we get married. And even in the engagement process, Father, as couples, I pray that you help us either hold out until we get married or run to the courthouse before we sin. Have mercy on us, Father. Help us. Father, help us as the body of Christ. We want our testimony to be distinct from the world and that we can model self-control. We could point to people who obeyed you in their sexual lifestyle. We need you, Father. Forgive us for every grumbling, from every complaint. Forgive us, Father, for not finding satisfaction in you. And rest our hearts in the, in the joy of knowing that we belong to you and we are yours, both now and forever. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.